Hey, Geeks and Geekheads, this is Lysmith. And I'm Retnax5, and you're listening to the Geekin' Podcast. Welcome to Geekin' on Creator-Owned Comics, recorded live on June 7th, 2014. It's been a long time since we've recorded. A few weeks, yeah. Uh, I think it's been more like, what was it your son said? Years? Yeah, years. <laughs> uh, yeah, been a, my schedule's been a little busy. Uh, moved from Oklahoma to Texas. Uh, got married. Went on a honeymoon. Now I'm back in, back in Texas. Uh, looking for a job right now. So been busy for about the last month and kind of been out of the loop. So on, especially on this show, uh, this particular episode, I, I think Lysmith, I think you're going to have to take, uh, you're going to have to bear most of the burden on this one. I'm going to be the, sort of out-of-touch geeks asking questions. I'll, I'll be the disciple at your feet. <laughs> well, I am very happy for you, and, and I was very excited to uh, see all of your uh, honeymoon pictures and everything. I have to say it's been a little frustrating having you gone this past month or so because so much has happened, and we've had so many people contact us that it's been very exciting, and uh, you've yeah. missed out a little bit. So <laughs> I have. I've been keeping track. You sort of run the social media aspect of our little partnership, and I've been following Geekin on my personal Twitter. And just uh, I'm sort of amazed at the the follows that we get. I was mentioning to you uh, earlier how uh, I'm just blown away by the job you've done, sort of getting the word out for the podcast and for the blog, for the Facebook page. Um, and it just seems like we have so many people now wanting to you know send some of their content to us wanting to be on the show and we're definitely going to get back on that now that my life at least has resumed some level of normalcy a much better form of normalcy but normalcy nonetheless uh we're going to uh get back to getting these shows out on a, on a regular basis and plus like you said this past month it's been insane i'd be in boston or cape cod you know that area where i was on the honeymoon and uh every morning i'd sort of check twitter and something huge happened it's like all month long, it's been geek, no, geek news explosion, and I've been so stifled. I've been turning to my wife and saying, oh, my gosh, did you know? And she'd look at me and say, honeymoon, honeymoon. Yes. <laughs> no geeks, okay? Honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, it was very hard to uh, just leave you alone and let, let you do your thing because so much had happened. And, and I'm going to brag a little bit. We've had some uh, really cool people uh, follow us on Twitter, and in fact, one of the actors from Buffy started following us on the Facebook page. And I know you are a major Buffy fan and a huge Whedonite. Man, it just, I just – I couldn't believe it. I sat there for a long time staring at that notification and uh, yeah. So it, very exciting stuff. And one of the things – a few things that have happened since you've been gone is that mm -hmm. we've had people actually approach us to do reviews of their comic books. Which is unbelievable because if there's nothing there, – there's nothing that a geek wants more than to actually be able to read comics for free and opine about it. Exactly, yeah. And not in that crazy person hanging around the comic book shop sort of way. You know, I mean, actually, people want you to keep talking rather than, would you shut him up sort of thing. Exactly. It's very different for somebody to come up and actually ask for my opinion for a change. I know. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, I give it freely, but <laughs> it's very different to be asked for it. Um <laughs> Uh, Kickstarter, I, I talk about it all the time and how it's uh, just an incredible thing for creator-owned comics. And it's such, such exciting things are coming out of Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. And uh, some, of the com some of the comics I've uh, been able to read uh, out of Kickstarter have just been incredible books. Uh, I haven't read anything out of Kickstarter that I disliked. Um, really? Yeah. 
It's like if it's good enough to get off the ground and become a comic book, then I mean, it's like Kickstarter is a, a standard setter. If you can't get, get your comic book off on Kickstarter, then uh, it's probably not a very good comic. <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm sort of fascinated by the Kickstarter thing because it's sort of like um, about ten years ago you began hearing. Uh, people in, in whatever industry, whether it was the comic book industry, which you and I are more tuned into, or, or uh, e-publishing, you know, with people uh, putting their books out there, um, there's this con- this idea that the internet is very liberating for artists. It's like they can sidestep sort of the corporately owned um, publishing houses that they would have to go through otherwise and get it out there. And that's been going on since well since the internet really has sort of taken off. But like you, it's like you said, well, Kickstarter is like a um, Oh, like a not a Reader's Digest. That's not the right way to put it. But it's become this way, this this way of for fans to sort of look at it and say, "Oh, this is the good creator-owned yeah. internet stuff," rather than just the crazy person in his underwear ranting way, <laughs> you know, uh, sitting down and just doing whatever he or she wants to do. So it's like Kickstarter has taken the um, the, the the promise of the internet and really made it come true. Um, and getting uh, non-corporate, uh, privately funded, well, or really uh, crowdfunded, um, creator-owned projects out there. You know, we concentrate on the comic book uh, end of it, but just in all sorts of, of areas. Kickstarter has been just amazing, the, the projects that have come out of it. Absolutely. One of my favorite uh, success stories and examples from Kickstarter is um, Laramie Taylor's uh, Voice in the Dark. Yeah, Voice in the Dark, yeah. And it was picked up by Top Cow Comics. Moo. Moo. Yeah, we have to get that sound effect in there. <laughs> Moo. Ka-ching. <laughs> but some of the other uh, books I've seen and gotten to read off of Kickstarter, uh, one of which is called The Chair. Mm-hmm. You were telling me a little bit about this right before we began recording. Um, I, I, I don't want to say too much about the comic book because I don't want to give anything away, but it's about this guy in prison uh, on death row. And the things that he's experiencing as he sees uh, the other inmates uh, filter out and some of the things the guards do around him and everything. It's, it's very, very creepy and um, I mean, it had me on, on the edge of my seat the whole time. And mm-hmm. uh, But it was very, very well done. Like I said, very scary. I don't normally go for scary comics, but man, that, that just really got me. And we've mentioned before, um, we think, especially our generation and the generation just before us, um, we think of things like creepy and eerie, and you think of comic books as being a you know a, a, a for a genre or a format, I should say, mm-hmm. that lends itself to horror. I mean, going all the way back to the 1950s when you had the classic horror comic books coming out of EC. But one of the things I've discovered as I've been trying to read some contemporary comics that are being published, it's really hard to do horror in comic books. I I. It's hard for me to find a horror comic book that I'm really impressed with. It's just there's something wrong with it. It doesn't really lend itself to this format. So for you to come across a horror comic book that actually works, that's great. I'm going to have to definitely take a look at it. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that the the definition of what a horror movie is has changed quite a bit. And mm-hmm. it's, there's far more gore than there was before. And then the, the uh, sort of the torture porn right? You know, with the Saw films. Yeah. And while there's there's um, plenty of blood mm-hmm. in the chair, uh, it's far more a, a psychological horror story. That's the wheelhouse of the old EC comics, right? It's exactly. the brain. Yeah, uh, but it's done so well and it's gotten so much press that they're actually making a movie. 
Yeah, this is what you were telling me about. Uh, let's talk about this cast. This is a pretty interesting cast for a Kickstarter. Wait, okay, so let me ask you a question here to get the timeline down. Is the movie Kickstarter or did Kickstarter do the comic, which is published, and now an actual production studio is coming in and doing the movie? Okay, the comic book started off as a Kickstarter, and now uh, Peter Samedi, the mm-hmm. creator, is doing another Kickstarter to support uh, the film adaptation of the graphic novel. Okay, so the first Kickstarter was for the comic. That got that off the ground, and now there's another Kickstarter in the works for a movie yes. for a film version. Okay. And so I've, I've jotted down a few names here, the, the bigger names for us to discuss in, in the movie. Um, you, I just as you watched the teaser trailer for The Chair. Yes, it was very creepy. Very, very creepy. And that's uh, Bill Oberst Jr. Who, who I had not seen, or at least I didn't recognize uh, from anything when you told me his name, but uh, I have definitely seen him in something. He's been in a ton of movies. Yeah, well, uh, looking at his IMDb list, we had to have seen him in more than one thing before. <laughs> Considering he's made 722 movies. <laughs> uh, some of the names that I, I, I caught my eye, A Thousand Ways to Die and Abraham Lincoln versus Zombies. Nice. Those are good titles. I believe those were nominated for Oscars this past year. <laughs> um, they, they've also got Eric Roberts. Julia's wayward brother. Exactly. He And he uh, – <laughs> He's been in uh, just a billion things as well. I mean, uh, yeah, the probably the most uh, amazing thing I've seen uh, tonight, uh, and that includes that trailer, which is very creepy, was <laughs> Eric Roberts' IMDb page for films coming out in 2014. I had to scroll like four times yeah. down the page. He has to be in at least 60 movies yeah. coming out in 2014. Um, I think he may have found a way to clone himself. I <laughs> Uh, some scientists may want to get a hold of him uh, because there's no possible way one person can be in that many movies, even if he only has one scene in each movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another uh, actor from the movie, Brian Thompson, who's been in, again, a billion things. Uh, and Big ones, too. I'm looking at, at some of these titles. These are I've seen these movies. Right, right. I was about to say, some of these movies were big movies in my childhood. I yeah. mean, you've got Terminator, Dragonheart, uh, Mortal Kombat. He was in uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, we really was... need to have a Whedon sound effect. We've got our, our, our top cow mentioned. We need to have our Joss Whedon related That's sound true. effect as well. Maybe like a Buffy one-liner or something like that. <laughs> um, uh, he was also in a TV show I have to mention called Kindred the Embrace that was about – Oh my gosh. I watched that. Are you serious? I watched that. That was like in the mid-90s or something. Yeah, yeah. It was like Mafia. It was based on a uh, role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. Really? Yeah. I thought I was the only person. It was like a vampire mafia kind of thing, if I remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of my favorite TV shows. <laughs> that w- I have not seen that since the mid-'90s. I may need to look for that. I thought I was the only one who'd ever heard of that show. Uh, I used to own it on DVD. I don't know what happened to it, but I used to have it. It got a DVD release? Yep. Amazing. Uh, the only reason it didn't go to a second season is because the main actor was in a motorcycle accident and died. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's sad. Yeah. Anyway. Bring us back up. Bring us back up. Come on, dude. <laughs> it's our first uh, episode back. We're not talking about people dying. The last name on my list here uh, was uh, is very kind of exciting for, for us comic book geeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan Eisenberg, who voices Wonder Woman in almost everything. That's great. That's is also great. 
I, and hopefully we'll be able to actually see her in front of the camera this time. Yeah, she's supposed to be like actually playing a person and not just, you know, not just body voice. Like, yeah. It's like we're not going to see like Ted's girlfriend, you know, Bear uh, on death row for killing Ted or something. You know, it'll, it'll be voiced by Susan Eisenberg. Uh-huh. Should we see her? That'll be awesome. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, some of the other uh, Kickstarter comics that I've gotten to uh, read. Mm-hmm. Uh, Creepy Scarlet, which I did a review of on the website. Mm-hmm. I've been meaning to read that. I had that in my to-read pile. Really, really good book. Uh, the the humor is really nice. The overall story is very unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, very well written. I really enjoyed it. Um, Winter from New Worlds Comics. Uh, New Worlds Comics has got two comic books out right now. Winter and uh, Goof. And they're very two totally different toned comic books. Winter is a uh, sci-fi comic, and uh, it, it it really takes um, the social media aspect and does exactly what I've been wanting to see from sci-fi movies. I, I've heard you mention this a few times on previous podcasts about how social media is not handled correctly. I remember you mentioned it when we were talking about an episode of um, – the late and lamented Almost Human, which mm-hmm. unfortunately was canceled. Yes. Not coming back. We have to do it. That's what we need to do. We need, this, there's nothing better than when you and I talk shop in the middle of the podcast. You and I need to do a wrap-up of the, of the TV season now that, the, now that it's done. That's very true. Okay. We, can talk, we can talk about that. Anyways, back to, back to that. But you have mentioned – I remember you reviewing a comic book where you said social media was used uh, very well. I believe it was a Marvel comic, if I remember. Yes, correctly. So this this idea of using social media uh, in a realistic fashion in uh, comics is something I've heard you mention a few times. So this this book sort of goes into that. Yes, yes. Uh, everybody's plugged into the social media network, and uh, you can ask it questions, and it, it talks to you all the time and records everything. Oh, it's run by the CIA. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Snowden did a, tell us about this one. <laughs> uh, it's it very interesting, very different. And, um, it, it was a, a darker comic, not just in tone, but the world is very lived in and very gritty and dirty. And, uh, wonderful, wonderful comic. Uh, Goof, I haven't gotten to read, but it's a lighter, kind of a accident prone superhero kind of comic book. Okay. And that was from New World Comics, and they're an up-and-coming comic book company. Uh, very cool guys. Um, and then Ruin and Wicker, which I've also done an, a review about with Darker Show. Uh, it's finally coming to, to be a comic book, and their Kickstarters are done, and they're about to release that. Uh, and Arrow Girl, which is about a little girl who's a sidekick to her dad who's a superhero. And it's very light and very... I think uh, kid friendly. Oh, uh, thank God! Right, there's, there's none of those out there anymore. And so, so it was a very cool comic book and uh, interesting and original and um, the kind of cartoony, which was fine for, mm-hmm. for what it is, uh, but very very fun. Speaking of um, cartoony and kid friendly, I was in uh, Target the other day with my wife, and she actually found these uh, small little hardcover books by Jeffrey Brown that are the Star Wars. One's Darth Vader and Son, I believe, is one of them. Really? Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, I'm somewhat familiar with Jeffrey Brown because he used to appear on the fairly regularly on the Around Comics podcast, which is actually the podcast that got me into podcasting. 
Um, he's a, I believe Chicago based, but I may be wrong about that, but he sort of specializes in these sort of kid oriented comic books. I believe he may have worked actually on, um, Oh, what was the book? The teen, tiny Titans. Oh yeah. 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 I think he may have worked on tiny Titans as well. Um, and it has that sort of tiny Titans feel and it's just sort of taking various moments. Um, like it's a cute little thing of uh, a Luke, a little bit, you know, five-year-old Luke, and a five-year-old Greedo, and they're sort of tussling back and forth, and Darth Vader is behind them saying, oh, Luke, who pushed first? <laughs> you know, it's it's that sort of, sort of, sort of wink, winking at the fans sort of uh, sort of humor. So, uh, anyways, that those look those those looked great. I think those would be good comics for um, the young Star Wars fans, you know, the, the, the young kids who are into Star Wars, uh, to pick up and read. I was really impressed by what I saw. I, I didn't read them because I'm not a kid. But I mean, I didn't buy them because I, I'm not a kid. But they, and I'm sure Jeffrey Brown's like, "You bastard! You read my book, but you didn't buy it. Screw you!" <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for more comics that are entertaining for us, but are also very open to get the young kids uh, reading them. It's hard to get kids reading comics nowadays because it's like boobs and blood on every single page. Absolutely, yeah. Um, two comics I wanted to mention that aren't Kickstarter comics, but are creator-owned and have got a very interesting, I think, uh, format. Okay. Uh, they're free online comics um, that work kind of the same way the uh, online comic strips I read do, uh, where they put out a page every so often. Oh, okay. And But uh, at least with uh, one of them, they at the end of their little story arc, they put it together into a comic book and then sell it. Oh, that's awesome. I like that. Uh, the, the first one, Disenchanted, which I actually found out about from this last free comic book day. Um, that's what they do is they, they release this for free on their website. I'm actually in the middle of reading the whole thing. I think there's like, um, I want to say 20-something, almost 30 issues, basically. Oh, wow. That's um, a lot of pages. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can read it for free. And then at the end, they put them in, collect them and sell them as a comic book. And people buy them. And that is a that's a really smart business model, actually. Apparently, it's making them enough money that they're continuing to do it. So, I mean, if you'd asked me, if you came to me and said, "Hey, if I put my comic book out for free and then put it together and sold as a comic book, would it sell?" I'd probably tell you you're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's apparently working for these people, and it's an amazing comic. It's about uh, the the fairy folk mm-hmm. at, today and where they live today in this uh, little place called Vermintown, and them trying to get by. It's it's way not child appropriate. Mm-hmm. Plenty of sex and nudity and gore, but is very, very well written. I, I find it very compelling, and uh, I'm about halfway through it now. Uh, okay. It's so much fun. Uh, the other one you can find free online. I don't know if they're going to collect them and sell them as a comic or not. They should. Uh, it's called Holiday Mountain Madness. Yes, you have been uh, pushing this on me, and I am going to read this. Uh, just enough of what you've told me has made me, you know, it's made me say, okay, this this is something I have to have to pick up because it, it merges my love of comics and my love of history, which are my two geeky passions. Right, right. So let's t- talk a little bit about this comic because I know you've been reading it, and I'm literally probably tomorrow going to start uh, catching up on this. I think there it's uh, 17 or 18 pages up right now, and so they're just really getting the story going. Oh, but... and we, we will be putting the web addresses up for both of these comics on the show notes, correct? Absolutely, yes. We definitely want to make sure we send some of our listeners their way. 
Absolutely. Holiday Mountain Madness uh, couldn't have hit me at a better time. I, I'm This past year, I've really gotten into the Weird West genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even did a Weird West week <laughs> on the blog, uh, which is still getting hits and comments, by the way. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's actually how I found out about this. They they were looking for Weird West stuff and came across our blog and left a comment saying, hey, you got to check out our, our comics. So uh, it's about Doc Holiday, which I'm really, really big into right now. I've been reading a series of books about Doc Holiday, and they're um, uh, Weird West books, yeah. uh, alternate history, uh, steampunk western, some of the people call it, and um, it's a lot of fun. And so a comic book, another comic book about Doc Holiday couldn't have hit me at a better time, and it's got the Old West and some like supernatural occult element to it. Mm-hmm. And so, so far, it's, it's been a lot of fun. And again, not child-appropriate. Ah, who cares? I mean, we're talking Doc Holiday. Doc Holiday now was not child-appropriate. Right, right. Which, well, which I, I think I said that on one of the articles I wrote was uh, not child-appropriate, very much like Doc Holiday himself. Exactly. So, uh, But it's a lot of fun, and you've got to read it. Like I said, they're only in like 17 or 18 pages right now, so uh, it would be easy to catch up. And they're just getting the story going, but it's just – I find it absolutely fascinating. Do you know the uh, creative team on this uh, holiday comic? Or if it's a one-person show? Uh, There's a writer and an artist. Definitely want to give them some love. Absolutely. Let me. And once I catch up, I will also be doing uh, – at the very least, I'll be doing a review on the show. Uh, if I'm actually uh, – get off my lazy butt, I may actually write a review on the blog. <laughs> Uh, it is written by Bill Woodcock Jr., which, by the way, he should be a cowboy with that name. That is an amazing <laughs> Western name. Uh, Gregory Giordano, and I only know that because of Dick Giordano, who uh, was the editor of the Batman books back in the late 80s, I believe. So it's, I, I've seen it. I've heard it pronounced both ways, Giordano and Giordano. Uh, maybe one day we can get Mr. Woodcock and Mr. Giordano on the show, and they could uh, tell and, and Mr. Giordano can say, uh, yo, this is how it's pronounced. <laughs> uh, but it's a very cool comic, and uh, I'm, I'm going to push this very hard over the next uh, couple of weeks. And and expect a review from me coming as well on it, because uh, just from the little bit uh, you've told me as you've been sending me uh, text messages for the past month, uh, sparingly <laughs> because you have been respecting the whole marriage and honeymoon thing, uh, but just the little bit you have been sending me, I've, I've sat there and, and thought, okay, this – I have to read this. I mean, just the idea alone, the concept alone, is perfect for someone like me. I'm a, I'm a history, I'm a historian, uh, and I love comics. So yeah, definitely looking forward to it. The last comic I want to talk about is one uh, that you have read. Right? I have read this. I actually read it this afternoon, and uh, yeah, yeah. Jack, nineteen seventy nine. It was my first time reading a preview copy. Do you want to mention talk a little bit about that? I do. Uh, these. Uh, amazing gentleman approached me about doing a review for the book, and I happily jumped on it. And they sent us a review copy, which I think is a brilliant move. I think uh, you send out a review copy. It gets the material out there so people can do full reviews on it, but also doesn't put the finished product because, I mean, you know, no matter who you send it to, somebody's going to share it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just sort of how things are. Right. So it's going to get passed around. So you don't want the finished copy being passed around. So this review copy, I think, is is a brilliant move. I mean, you just – we're talking comic book fans. They treat comics like men treat Lindsay Lohan. Just pass them <laughs> around. Uh, we're going to call from her lawyer now. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it was uncolored and uninked. It was done in, in red and blue pencils. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. I mean, just from – I'm somebody – I think it's because of what I do for a living. I'm, I'm also interested in how things come together, how things are put together. I've mentioned before that one of my favorite books that I read on a regular basis is Alter Ego because I love reading about the history of comic books. And so right away I enjoyed this just from the point of view of seeing, oh, this is what you know, this is what the inker sees. You know, this is uh, what it looks like before it's covered. I mean, it, it was the oversized pages, and you saw where everything sort of went off the, the sides, where, you know, the, sort of the frames were drawn out, and they sort of go off to the sides. You know, like, oh, those are going to be cut off eventually, you know, for the page to fit, you know, the standard comic book size. So I love looking at it just from an element of, wow, you very rarely see production element of it. So it was... It was wonderful to look at from that, but we will definitely be getting into the content. The there's actually a name for, for that that because I have become obsessed with the process of making comic books, okay. and they're calling us process junkies. Process junkies. I would much rather be called a process junkie than another kind of junkie. <laughs> I've seen comic book artists go for you process junkies out there. This is what it looks like as I'm doing this. And- oh, that's. That's great. So there's a, na- a proper name for that, apparently. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. So it was, it was a, I guess, like you said, it was uh, fun to see. It was a real treat for me to get to see that part of the comic book. And uh, on their Twitter page, they've, they've put a couple of pages pre-inked and then what they look like inked. Oh, that so I want to see. Yeah, so it's been a lot of fun to really watch this comic book and the, the way it's... Uh, Coming together, literally. Yeah. One of the other things I have to mention about the fact that this is a review copy is that halfway through reading it, it reminded me of this old 3D book I had as a kid. It was an ALF book. You too. Okay, I had the same thought. I think it was because they were going back and forth between the blues and the greens on the pencils uh-huh. that I th- it reminded me of an old 3D flip book. So I actually have a pair of 3D glasses that came with <laughs> one of my video games. And so I read the comic, and then I ran over and I grabbed these three glasses, and I read it again. And it added this whole other element to the experience of reading this comic book that I thought was just so much fun and made me giggle the whole time. When they used the two colors on there, it really jumped. But even when they just used the red on some pages, they have the uh, the text and the sound effects inked. And so those will jump off the page even when it's just the red pencil. Okay, I'm about to declare you the the winner of the Geek Award because I'm picturing you sitting in your Lazy Boy with an unfinished comic on your lap and a pair of paper 3D glasses, cardboard 3D glasses on your head, giggling. They came with my, uh, uh, one of my Batman games. So they had Batman on them. Oh my gosh, you win. You win. <laughs> so I was reading an unfinished comic book in my Batman 3D glasses. Yeah. <laughs> wow. that's You win. There's no other way to put it. So it was, uh, like I said, very fun. Added this whole other element to the experience that was just and, – and I asked him about it on, on Twitter. Uh, I had to message him, and I said, hey, I don't know if you meant to do this, but I had to tell you. <laughs> I reread your comic with 3D, co- with 3D glasses on, and they were like, that is completely unintentional. We didn't even think of that. <laughs> a com- that's a comic book geek's version of playing a record backwards right there. <laughs> So you've got to find yourself a pair of 3D glasses and reread this comic book because it was just so much fun. All right. I will do that. I, I, sh- I could have picked one up today. I, uh, my wife and I went to Goodwill, and there was so much crap there. I'm sure there's a pair of 3D glasses <laughs> sitting somewhere. I could have picked it up. Um, the content of yeah. this book. Yeah. 
the idea I took this off of their website. It says a brand new comic about a badass monster hunting time traveling mustache wearing son of a bitch named Jack the Ripper. That's fairly damn accurate, actually. <laughs> I mean, really, if that doesn't make you want to read the comic book, I'm not sure what will. I was reading it. I had actually just got done eating dinner. Uh, we had a very early dinner uh, today, and uh, I, I pulled it up. It's a, it's a review copy, so it's a, a PDF. Uh, and so I picked the pulled up, and I'm looking at it. And about two or three pages in, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, this is about Jack the Ripper. This is about Jack the yeah. Ripper, and I'm a Jack the Ripper nut. I have books, you know, like tons of books about Jack the Ripper. It's something I've been obsessed with since I was about 11 or 12 years old. I mean, really, the police need to be keeping an eye on me. I'm so obsessed with Jack the Ripper. <laughs> so immediately, once I made that connection, I was even more in to the book than I already was. I mean, from the first couple pages, it grabs you. But then once I realized, wait a minute, this is I know I know this story. Uh, but then they turn it completely on its head. Which is great because when you're dealing with something like Jack the Ripper, which has been done, pardon the pun, to death, uh, over and over and over again in so many adaptations and so many stories and then all the various conspiracy theories, there's so many versions of Jack the Ripper out there. I haven't seen this version. you know. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of, of twists to this story, but this is a completely unique one I've never even thought of before. Exactly. I, I love it. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of like, you can go to, you know, ripperology.com and all these, you know, there's a ripper cast, believe it or not. There's a podcast where a bunch of snooty Jack the Ripper people. Uh, and for me to call Jack the Ripper uh, a fishing out of snooty, you know, they're really snooty. <laughs> uh, would, they would look at this and they'd say, oh, this is terrible. This is horrible. It's just so not realistic. Is not supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, he's taking something that we know so much about and turning it on its head and giving it a completely new twist and a new flavor. And I can't wait to read issue two. I mean, please send us another preview copy uh, of issue two. <laughs> and apparently uh, with some 3D glasses as well. <laughs> because I really enjoyed this book. Uh, it's, it's just very, very – it's surprisingly funny was the thing that sort of took me was that you'd think this would be a serious story be, and, and it is serious. I mean, it has some, especially the ending of this issue is dark as crap, Yeah, but it plays this wonderful like dance between like, I could almost see Bruce Campbell playing this character, that sort of a tone. And then it goes really dark real fast. And then it goes right back to this sort of, I almost don't want to call it comedy, but you're still laughing. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the artwork. Uh, I want to mention the, the writer, John Paul Anthony Hart, mm -hmm. and the artist, Davey Sedal. Mm -hmm. The two of them work so well together. And with Mr. Hart's writing and Mr. Sedal's art, it, it keeps it light. Even the, the parts that get really dark don't end up depressing, right? It, the art keeps it very light. With, without ever being silly. Um, can I ask you a question? Is that the first time you've called anyone Mister since grade school? Uh, no, it's actually something I do a lot. Okay, sorry, <laughs> just not around me. I was sitting there going, "Whoa, what's this? <laughs> are these the principals? Are we going to be getting a review here?" <laughs> I actually stood up straight in my chair when you said that. <laughs> it instantly my back straightened when you said Mister. Actually, I find myself doing it a lot when I'm talking about people who make comic books. That's the ultimate sign of respect. I, I can, I can, I can totally buy that. Okay. <laughs> now let's get back to the comic. Right, right. <laughs> Sadal's art is almost cartoony. I mean, I can see this lending itself very well to an animated film. 
I have to say, I, I would like to see, I'm looking forward to seeing this inked and colored because there were moments where I sat there and I thought exactly what you thought, which is it's very cartoony. There, there's moments where the eyes have nothing to them. Yeah. They're just round holes, no pupils or anything like that. And again, this was a unique opportunity for me to see, uh, you know, be a process junkie, as you've now taught me the word. <laughs> so I don't know if that's how it normally looks. I didn't, I know if it's the job of the inker to provide the, the iris, you know, the actual uh, darkening of the, of the eye. So there's lots of little moments like that where I actually sort of got a little out of the comic, looked at it and thought, hmm, I want to see what this page looks like when it's completed. Yeah. Because I have a feeling there's stuff kind of not missing, but things that are that are still to be added. One of the mo- moments that sort of jumped out at me and gave me that exact idea was when Jack is in the uh, sort of the flop house, for lack of a better term, uh-huh. at room room four. He's in room four. He turns around and the, the prostitute is waiting for him and she's in the doorway. And you can tell the figure isn't really fully formed. And I'm sitting and but it's all sort of blacked over, but not completely. And I'm sitting there. I was sitting there thinking, oh, I bet the anchor is supposed to go completely over this image. So it's just a silhouette in the final shot once it's actually processed, because it's very rough looking there. So, yeah, I I really liked the art, but it was I I really just want to see what it looks like inked and colored because it can be cartoony. But I'm wondering how much of that is just the you know the process element of it that we're seeing yeah normally i don't i don't care for cartoony art because mm-hmm. they end up doing too many visual gags and it ends up being too silly and you lose what could have been a really good story and it kind of the slapstick humor mm. I'm, I'm not a big fan of as you put it sort of the the disneyfication of yeah. comic book art i mean it took me almost a full issue of Manifest Destiny to sort of get into the art because it had that little bit of that, that what I call the Bigfoot style of yeah. art, which is very animated style. But as I mentioned in our reviews of previous podcasts, I've, I've grown to really love the artist on Manifest Destiny. But I'm with you. There have been times I've opened up an issue of a comic book and got about a page, maybe two pages in, and just the art alone pushed me out of the comic book. And I just yeah. set it aside. Right. But I think that coupled with the writing, it keeps the art from becoming too silly and, and too cartoony. They definitely fit together, the writing style and the art style. But I am looking forward to seeing how the art comes out, comes together once the uh, the ink uh, and then later the colors. If it's going to be colored, I don't even know if it's going to be a color comic book. A lot of these uh, independent comics are black and white. And this comic itself may lend itself to black and white. It is going to be colored. The colorist oh. is Joshua Jensen. Oh, good. Okay. So I'm not sure who's inking it. Uh, David Sadal may be inking it himself, but I know that they have a colorist uh, credited, and that's pretty much the entire crew for this comic book is those three gentlemen. Hmm. I know at, at the end of the comic they said uh, they have a, a thank, a place for a thank you session. Yeah. Section. yeah, I thought that was interesting. It's not filled in yet. It's like, uh, they're, it's like they're asking their friends, how much do you really want to be thanked? When this <laughs> right. Uh, that was another production element that was pretty cool. Uh, to see was that they sort of had the three of them, you know, so and so would like to thank, and you know, three slots, but it wasn't filled in. Um, right. But yeah, the, this is. Um, I I would say that, and I. This isn't a criticism. I don't want it to come across as a criticism. But my only, again, not fault. My only um, question. There's a good way to put it. 
that I have with the comic is the 1979 aspect of it because it's there on about the first two pages, uh-huh. and then it's never mentioned again. Yeah, which I, I found kind of interesting, and, and you're right. It's one of those things that it kind of sticks in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. I would like to have seen a little something more in the sense of maybe the last page could have come back to 1979 or it – or, or perhaps this may even be a compliment. I may be, I may actually be complimenting these gentlemen. The story itself, the 1888 story itself is so good and so interesting that I lost track of the 1979 opening. Right. And I'm wondering if that's a good thing or a bad thing that by halfway through the comic, I'd completely forgotten about the 1979 element, considering it's called Jack 1979. Right. Yeah, they could do a story just set in 1888 London, and I'd read it. Yeah, so I'm I, I'm wondering what the connection is. I mean, why why is he in 1979? I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more of that before jumping right into 1888. And again, this is like – it's not so much a criticism as much as it's me saying that the story that they have for 1888 is just so good and so interesting that I completely forgot about it, the, the, the first couple pages of the book. It definitely makes you want more. Mm-hmm, definitely. It's so. it's one of the better reads that I've – better books that I've read uh, in quite a while. I mean right now my top book is Manifest Destiny, and granted I am so far behind because I haven't read a single comic book in the last month. But I, 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 I said, Amy, let me – you know, we're going on the honeymoon. Why don't I just put some comics in the, in the, in the, the bag and bring them with me? And the look she gave me, <laughs> there, were, there were no comics. So yeah, so I'm very behind in my comic book reading, but – Reading this was a great taste, not only of fu- looking forward to future issues of Jack 1979, but also sort of a like, oh yeah, comics. I need to, it's been a while. I need to get back into this. This is fun. Yeah. So I will also uh, link to all of the Jack 1979 stuff. Definitely. Uh, in the show notes. Um, Do they have a uh, a blog or a web page or anything like that where they sort of keep, you know, the, where they can update the fans of how the book is going and when it's going to come together, or a Twitter page perhaps? Both of uh, both uh, Mr. Hart and Mr. Sedell have Twitter pages, and there's a Facebook page for the common book, and then, of course, the Kickstarter page. Awesome. We'll have to put uh, all, all of those. All that information will be on the show notes uh, yeah. because uh, it's, it's a great book, and uh, I know that I'm looking forward to seeing when it comes out and then future issues as well. So we definitely want to – let our fans uh, follow uh, these creators and, 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 you know, keep updated with this book because they're going to love it. Absolutely. All right. So I think that's it for this week. The kick-ass music at the beginning end of the podcast is Big Damn Heroes, and you can find out more about them at facebook.com slash big damn heroes band. And you can always hit us up at facebook.com slash geekinpodcast, and feel free to follow us at twitter.com slash geekinpodcast. And, of course, the address for the blog is geekinpodcast.blogspot.com. We'll be seeing you soon. 